The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. You are now in the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. I am Josh Dunn. I am joined, as always, by Anshu Kana. Anshu, we've got the NBA Finals. We've got playoff baseball. The Stanley Cup Finals just ended, which we talk about a lot on this show. And NFL in full swing. Only a couple COVID tests that have been positive. But uh, we're going to get to all that action. But how are you feeling tonight? Feeling good, man. This is like in the throes of May. We were like, wow, we're never getting sports again. And... I think we kind of dreamed of a week like this, you know, to have all all the football, baseball postseason with our socks, and you know they're not dead yet, although they may be by the time you listen to this. But uh, yeah, and then of course the NBA Finals and the bubble and hockey just ending. I mean, it's it's pretty cool that uh, everything has kind of worked out in college football too. So pretty awesome. Yeah, a lot going on. I mean, obviously unprecedented times, and we've talked you know ad nauseum about all that stuff. But we wanted to real quick just touch on. What's going on in the finals? Obviously, game one here tonight as we record on Wednesday night. Uh, the Lakers came in as four-and-a-half-point favorites on BovadaSportsBook.com, obviously playing against the Heat, still down in Orlando. Um, you know, I know you and I talked off the air about this. We both kind of see this as, as the Lakers uh, series. But obviously, you know, you have the, the Kobe storyline with his unfortunate passing this year. You have the Heat kind of as a surprise team, which is a franchise that – LeBron did a big part in, in building back up uh, when he went there after leaving Cleveland mm-hmm. the first time. And obviously it's, it's it's interesting that they come in as a five seed. They knock off pretty much everybody in their path. I mean, not pretty much. They did knock off everybody in their path. But they took out the guys, the players that we expected to potentially be here representing the East. So just, just real quick, obviously Bovada has the Lakers as the favorite. And I think anybody you ask will probably say Lakers in five or six. But – how do you see this shaking out? And uh, talk, talk a little bit about what you've seen out of this Miami Heat team here in the bubble, especially recently. Yeah, I mean, you know, that like, I, I mean, I, I could see the Heat pushing it to six just because, you know, we've seen other teams do this. And the, and the Lakers are more flawed than favorites that we've seen in the finals, I think, over the last few years. Like, if you, if you lined up the teams that have entered the finals over the last decade— I don't know that this Lakers team is in the top half. Probably not. Probably not even the top 75% of those finals teams on either side. I don't know how you feel about that. But I think that, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is this Heat team has not had an easy road. They've had a much tougher road, I would say, than the Lakers. And, you know, I I mean, we just might be early. And, you know, this is like – it might be right at the cusp of the greatness of Bam Adebayo. We don't know that Tyler Hero. I know is a guy that you've called out as being a baller. I, I mean, I completely agree with that. And I know you, it's rare to see a rookie, especially a rookie that let's just call it what it is, looks like him doing what he's doing. And he, you know, he's been so impressive. The role players have been awesome. And Jimmy Butler is, you know, just the perfect 
Kawhi-esque, like poor man's Kawhi-esque catalyst for, for everything that they do. And Eric Spolstra is, you know, a top three to five coach in basketball. So, you know, it's it's definitely not impossible. It feels very, very unlikely just because the Lakers look and feel like teams we've seen win the title so much, but it's not impossible. And, um, you know, you throw in the bubble and the lack of home court advantage and, you know, who knows? It, it's, it's not out of the realm given what they've done to Giannis, what they've done to, you know, this a, a pretty good Boston Celtics team, what they did to a, a Pacers team that a lot of people thought had a decent chance at making a surprise run in these playoffs. So I, I think that, you know, the Heat are well-equipped to give the Lakers their best challenge in these playoffs. I just, I don't think that it's going to go more than five or six. Yeah, and they're playing with house money. I think, you know, you've seen the, the, the mm. kind of uh, coming out party for Tyler Harrell and who's been a revelation for the Heat in these playoffs um, you have Jimmy Butler, who's been revitalized as somebody who can carry a team. And obviously his one of the knocks against Jimmy Butler has been he's been kind of the second guy or a role player on on some good teams, but they've never been able to get over the hump with him. And now he comes here to Miami a, a, around a, a, a really good supporting cast, a lot of young guys, some some veterans like Iguodala and, uh, and, and a few others on this roster. Uh, but for the most part, this is a very young roster outside of Dragic and, and Iguodala and some of the other, Jay Crowder, you know, a few of these other guys. But for the most part, mm-hmm. a very young roster, a very hungry roster. So it is the type of team that you would expect to match up well with the Lakers. They just don't have the star power. I just don't, I don't know how they match up with Anthony Davis. And I, I just, I, as, as excited I was for these playoffs and to have the NBA come back and, and to have the bubble and, you know, really the first team that, or the first sport that did it and did it right and did it well. I just, I'll be honest, I'm not as excited about these finals. I'm not. I mean, I know you and I talked mm-hmm. today earlier today about you know wanting to see the Bucks and the Celtics, or not the Celtics, the Clippers, and and we just <laughs> we we were kind of robbed of that. Obviously, Giannis had the injuries and the Bucks underperformed, and the the Clippers, uh, Paul George just kind of disappeared when when they needed him most, and even Kawhi at times did. So I, obviously, yeah. you know, it's I think it I think it's it's unfortunate because this year we came in with with a lot of expectations around there being some really dynamic series in the, and especially in the Western Conference playoffs and and to have Denver be the team that that uh, you know gives the Lakers a little bit of a fight but that's the team they end up playing in the Western Conference Finals I, I just it, I lost some of my excitement around the NBA at, at that time and obviously to see yeah. the Heat beat the Celtics I just. I don't know. I, I'm just. I, it was a little bit lost on me after all. Of, all of what we were kind of hoping going into the playoffs. For sure. I mean, in a year that you know we came in thinking this is the most wide open season I can ever recall. Um, you know, we've gotten a pretty unpredictable finals, but at the end of the day, it's LeBron in the championship against an undermanned team, and, and I mean, we've seen that before. Usually, I mean, at times, obviously, you know better than anyone. LeBron's been on the kind of the captain side of the undermanned team, but. Um, you know, in this case, it's just it seems so evident that they're going to they're going to be able to do this. And I, I saw a really interesting kind of like fact that I brought it up with Chris earlier. But this is the first time two first team all NBA players have been on the same team in the finals since I believe Jordan and Pippen or if not Kobe and Shaq. So it's been like a really long time. I know that like you said two first team all NBA. Correct. Okay. Yeah. That in the sense. finals together. So to have Davis and LeBron together is like, it's just, especially in this bubble environment, it's like, I just don't know how, how you, <laughs> you stop those two guys. And I think that if anything, you know, Butler and Adebayo are a, a solid matchup for those two guys, but they're not, you know, they're not nearly good enough, I don't think, to do it. But, I, you know, you, 
I agree. It's not like the exciting series any of us are hoping for, but like I'd like to see it become one because the finals are the finals, and uh, you know the NBA is the first one that came back, and so I want to I want to see them do a good job and like put on a good product here um, to the extent that it's even possible with these two teams. Yeah, let's hope. Um, but with the NBA <laughs> finals, we've also got the first. I, this is I love this structure of this baseball playoff. So I mean, good. You've, you've got cool. Yeah. Just you, baseball, some some a sport that we've we've talked about on this show in the past about kind of getting it wrong with the playoffs and it being a little wonky, and then they expanded the, the wild card and it's just the play-in games and everything. It's just I, I haven't loved the way that the that that the MLB has the playoffs set up, but this year with this shortened season of sixty games, you know it started off rocky. We had uh, you know the the the, the several teams kind of having a lot of testing, uh, positive tests for COVID and, you know, some teams getting off to a rocky start with that, but then things kind of calmed down a bit. Uh, everybody got through the season relatively smoothly after the early onset, uh, issues that there were. And now we have eight teams on each side and Anshu, we've, we've obviously been watching our socks and, you know, they lose a, a close one today and a comeback effort. Um, but there, there's a lot of good teams that we get to watch play in the playoffs, and each of these first-round series are three-game series, so it's not a play-in game, which makes this really exciting. Obviously, not having fans is an issue, but it's still a really exciting thing for baseball to have it set up this way. Obviously, you know, that there's your favorites. And obviously, like when you look at Bovada, they have the Dodgers as, as one of the odds-on favorites to win this thing, but uh, you've got teams that are young and exciting, like the Reds who sneak in at a seven, the, the Marlins who who kind of get hot late in the season, you know, the Padres, everybody's talking about their offense. There's there's a lot of teams that maybe we wouldn't see in the playoffs in, in any other year that we're actually getting an opportunity to see, and who knows what can happen in a three-game series. So just wanted to hear your thoughts on the format and who you think maybe could uh, could make some noise here, noise here to shake things up and maybe not be one of the odds-on favorites like we see every other year. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think that the three game format is just perfect, especially in a six game sixty game season. I just I love it. I think that it's it's like a perfect way to shape two teams. Like it gives underdogs a, diff, a bit of a chance, and um, at the same time, I think that it's you know it's short enough where every pitch really matters. As we've, I mean, we're texting on almost every pitch about the White Sox, so it's been. It's been awesome. I mean, obviously, we're a little biased because the Sox make it thanks in part to this new format. Um, although I think they would have closed it out earlier had that been, the, you know, had they not clinched earlier. But that's, you know, like yeah, you're right. This and you know, this is like I feel like this is a big pivot season for MLB, where you know you've got kind of like we've we've talked about and lamented that they haven't taken advantage of their stars enough. And I do feel like this year there's been more of a concerted effort to focus on kind of the young talent in this league. So the Tatis juniors, and obviously we've got Tim Anderson on the South side and Luis Robert. And I think that there is a greater appreciation for some of the diverse talent that we've seen in this league, just in terms of like athleticism, you know, they're just so, so freaking good. Like these athletes are suddenly playing baseball and they're, I mean, they've not suddenly they've been playing baseball, but now they're up and they're dominating this league. And it's been so fun to watch. So, um, you know, Cunha Jr. and those guys. And I think those are the guys that I, I hope continue to, to sort of play through these playoffs. Um, I know we, we already have the Twins being bounced. I thought that they would definitely take care of the Astros. The Astros looked dominant in those two games, um, you know, in sweeping away the Twins. But, I, I, you know, at the end of the day, I'll take the chalk. I think that it's going to be Rays-Dodgers. The Rays already bounced another team with a lot of young talent that we've talked about for years, even with Dan Bauer. I mean, 
Vlad Jr. and Bobichet and some of these young players on the Jays. They'll have their day someday, but it's not yet. And uh, Tampa versus the Dodgers, I think, is would be a a very interesting, very baseball-y matchup. But it'd be more fun if we do see like the Padres or Reds or someone make a big run with some of their young talent. Yeah, and, and we've seen the White Sox in there. What I find intriguing is is the fact that these teams. I mean, sixty games in, they would all be getting basically into midseason form at this point. And, you know, mm-hmm. you, you have a lot of teams that come out of the gates hot. I mean, we've seen the Sox do it a few times in these last couple of years, and then they just they struggle as the season wears on. Also, playing a, a limited schedule where you don't really leave your region as, as, as impacted. I know the Sox had a very easy schedule, for example, so I know we keep talking about them. But it, it's interesting. You, you had Giolito, who pitched the first game for the Sox. He was the fifth player of all time to have a no-hitter going through six innings in the playoffs. You had... Trevor Bauer, who had 12 strikeouts today in, in a gem, and they ended up losing. I mean, you're you're having like these mid mid season, you know, guys seem fresh type of performances here in the playoffs, which makes for excitement even without uh, you know raucous crowds at a lot of these stadiums. So, you know, mm-hmm. for for what it's worth, and 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 obviously it, it being a unique year and an unprecedented year with sports. It, it, to me, I, regardless of whether or not our team was in it, Andrew, I, I'd be pretty excited to watch some of these games and to see some of these stars that maybe are on upstart franchise teams that, that just wouldn't have gotten an opportunity to be on this stage otherwise. Absolutely. And, I mean, there are teams, too, without young stars, like the Miami Marlins, who were the furthest odds on Bovada as far as coming into the season in World Series uh, odds. And, I, I mean – They've got already that comes down to, you know, elimination status. So, I, I mean, I think that there's there's a lot to be said where in the previous format, a team like that would have been done before dead on arrival. You know, they wouldn't have even had a chance to get them in the playoff mix as a as a seven seed, I think, is super cool. And, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just I couldn't agree with you more. I think that the, the format's great. It's definitely got sort of a March Madness feel to it, especially because so many people are working from home. And um, hopefully it brings eyeballs to this league because there are. I like the group of 16 teams in this is such a cool mix of like your traditional powers and your up and coming teams and a lot of small market groups. So I just, I, I think it's, I just think it's a really cool year to, uh, to like have all the eyeballs on this sport. And uh, I think you're seeing a lot of like, I don't know if Manfred is a, like a, just a crazy genius or if he totally looked into this, I think it's the latter, the latter for but sure. <laughs> exactly the latter, but it's been, I don't know. I mean, I hope the Sox keep going, obviously. But even if they don't, I think that it's just a, it's just a, been a really cool experience to see it. Likewise, and I, I'm excited to see kind of how some of these uh, these three game series shake out. I'd love to see some of these younger teams uh, pull off some upsets. I think that would make for a really fun uh, playoff. We just talked about it with the Miami Heat. I mean, you just you just don't know what you're going to expect. Um, but mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll be watching it. We'll be bringing you uh, as much information and coverage as we can even though this is a heavily heavily weighted toward football show uh which we're going to get to that next but i did want to congratulate the tampa bay lightning we're not going to talk about the stanley cup playoff uh because we didn't watch it but uh it is it is nice to see the tampa bay lightning win their first ever stanley cup even if it, it was in front of of no crowds and i know on you you've been a a big fan of theirs for a long, long time. <laughs> I do know about the Tampa Bay Lightning is they basically had a Virginia Cavaliers type of turnaround where they were bounced as the one seed last year, and now they turn around and they they win it all. So good for good for those guys and their legions of fans. Yeah, so many good fans out there in Tampa Bay, which 
Tampa Bay, not where we're going to start, but we're going to start in Florida as we recap week three of the NFL season on you. It was Dolphins-Jaguars. It was an electric Thursday night matchup. Not really, but uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick, extremely efficient. You had Minshew kind of coming back down to earth, which you and I both predicted, uh, which is one of the things we we got right, which uh, doesn't happen all too often on this show. And then uh, you've got uh, the Jaguars banged up at the receiver position, but... uh, we had Robinson put up another big game, James Robinson, and uh, he's starting to look like a, a, an actual an actual star as far as fantasy is concerned. But anything that stuck out otherwise in this game here in Florida? Oh, man. Yeah, I mean, just that the Jaguar, Jaguars were who you thought they were. And, uh, yeah, I was totally mistaken to even think that they might be kind of live. I mean, a lot of people had Gardner Minshew as a top-ten quarterback play last week fantasy-wise. Obviously didn't quite get to that status, although he had plenty of attempts, that's for sure. Um, Ryan Fitzpatrick, really good game. Um, you know, I think that he's a popular choice this week, which we'll get to. But, um, I'm, you know, I'm not trusting pretty much anyone on either of these teams as far as the, the passing game. The running game, game, though, both the running backs, I, you know, I'm a Miles Gaskin guy. This guy, I, he is getting, like, all the touches for them, all the, you know, he's running a lot of pass routes for them. And Brian Flores today said that Miles Gaskin is everything they look for in a Miami Dolphin. So if you're looking for signs of potential belief in a, a young running back, I think that that's one to look at. So, you know, Jordan Howard saw the bench a lot in this game. And uh, I think that Gaskin's a name to watch here, similar to, to Robinson early in the season. Yeah, I think I saw Gaskin was in there for 75% of the snaps, which is not what you generally see from a running back position, especially when we expected to be more of a committee type. And then Robinson, Mm -hmm. obviously we talked about last week, how he was a big reason for Fournette, Fournette, uh, you know, being, them being willing to, to, to give up on Leonard Fournette. And he's had injuries and Armstead was on the COVID-19 list. And then you had uh, Zigbo who was, who had been on the IR to start the year. And it's given Robinson an opportunity to show what he can do. And it does look like he can hold up, hold up that, uh, that lead back role in, in Jacksonville, which he's going to get an opportunity to do against one of the worst run defenses of all time this weekend, which we'll get to. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to it. But I think Robinson right now is looking like a very solid RB2, if not better. All right, what about the Bears? I know you don't love seeing them sitting at 3-0, and but it took Nick Foles coming in and leading them back with three touchdowns. He almost had a fourth, but uh, it was it was called a touchdown initially, and then it was reviewed that it was intercepted in the end zone. The Falcons blow another one. I don't know how Dan Quinn still has a job. We said it last week, and I'll say it until the, I'll say it until they don't do this in a game, uh, which, again, <laughs> they're, they're, we're going to get to it again with the Falcons, which are playing on Monday night, but... The Bears, yeah. the Bears are kind of like dumping their way to three and zero, and now they have Nick Foles at the helm, which you would expect to help. Tariq Cohen does go down with an ACL tear here, which should open the door for David Montgomery and more touches. But uh, it's going to have to be running back by committee beyond that. But what have you seen out of the Bears? I know they're a rival. I know you don't like them, but uh, it's got to be somewhat impressive to see this team at three and zero, considering what they've already gone through this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can't be. You are what your record says you are, unless you're the Bears, in my opinion. But no, they're they're legit, like winning team right now. And I would say I'm I'm much more fearful as a Packer fan of Nick Foles than I am Mitch Trubisky. And he came in, and um, you know he looked pretty good. I thought, like, I mean, he he came in and and obviously, like you said, throws the interception. But I think he opens up some things for that offense, and he does a little bit more off schedule than than Mitch now on the other hand of course Mitch has a 45 yard run 
that's just something Bulls simply isn't going to bring to the table. So from like a fantasy perspective, I'm not sure that's an upgrade by any means, but I think on the field, you know, it opens things up. Allen Robinson catches 10 balls for 123 yards. I think that this is a chance for him to, you know, capitalize on the draft stock you might've put into him. So uh, I think of all the people, Robinson and Montgomery, the stock is, is rocket ship emojis for sure. And Jimmy Graham with a coming out party in this one too, which was a blast from the past. <laughs> I about- know he's been, he's actually been pretty good this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If he could, uh, if he could stay healthy, it could be relevant with Nick Foles there at the helm. What about Bill's Rams mm-hmm. though? Aren't you? I know you love this Bill's team or excuse me, this Rams team, I should say, coming in. Josh Allen, uh, they, they're up big. The Rams come back in a fury, uh, and then they end up losing in a close one. The Bills win at 35-32. to 32. There were some interesting storylines in this one. I, I think Josh Allen is proving to be a legit, maybe not MVP mm. candidate quite yet, but, I mean, he's a, he's a legit star quarterback at this point, and the Bills are 3-0. and The Rams do look good in this game. It was a valiant comeback, but... Uh, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. It's it's gonna be interesting to see. I know you were high on this Rams team, but that division. I mean, best team, best division in football. I would have to say right now. Oh yeah, I mean, there are many divisions where all four teams are very legitimate, you know, conference championship threats. I, I mean, Cardinals are kind of probably a year early on that, but the other three for sure, I think you have to say are. And I, I yeah, I, I this was definitely an impressive performance to me from the Bills, even though their defense, I. The concern I would have is the, the Bills' defense was what they were hanging their hat on over the last few years. This year, they've, they've been hemorrhaging points to not great offenses, and then they give up 32 in, against this Rams offense with a big lead. So, I, you know, and it was it was legit. It was definitely a legit 32. So, um, you know, it wasn't just like garbage point comeback time. It was like they, they were earning them. So I think that, you know, the Bills' defense might be a weak link to watch for over the rest of the season, but – these Rams, these Bills, these are two offenses where you want pieces. Obviously, there's there's some kind of uncertainty around what who those people in the backfield will be, at least on the Bills side. I think on the Rams side, you're, I'll defer to you here, but Daryl Henderson looks like an absolute stud right now, um, and he looks like he's totally taken the reins. We'll see what happens when Cam Akers comes back. And, you know, it's a very long season, obviously, but Henderson was their guy throughout the comeback early in the game. He gets 20 carries. He gets a bunch of catches like – I, he seems like the dude in in L.A., and if you've got him, you've got to be very, very pleased with having that piece. Yeah, Pro Football Focus has him as the number one rated running back through three games wow. so far this season, which is pretty telling. Damn. I mean, the, the issue for Henderson has not been his ability. It's always been can he stay healthy, and he's had issues mm-hmm. with that throughout his career. Obviously, even coming into this season, he had injury issues, and it was limited in game one, which Malcolm Brown came out and looked good in, and then – you know, Cam Akers going down opens up a door. It, it, this this backfield is going to be one to to be frustrated by. I think if you're a fantasy owner, I, I it, we have a deep league where we play two flex, and I have all three of them. But that's not really a problem I'm excited about having. It's just kind of what is what has happened. I I, I like Daryl Henderson if he can. I think if if this week he he has another big performance and he's going to have an opportunity to, which we'll talk about later. But I think if he can have another big game you would expect that he kind of takes the lead as far as this backfield goes. They're always going to try to get Cam Akers the ball. He's too good of a talent when he comes back from the rib injury not to. And Malcolm Brown's probably going to take goal line carries away from Henderson, which he did in this game, but Henderson ended up getting the one-yard touchdown after Malcolm Brown tried twice. Um, So it's going to be an interesting backfield. I mean, the Bills, too, they get Zach Moss back likely this week uh, with kind of a muddy situation there with Singletary and Moss. But 
I, I, the Rams' backfield is is intriguing, and um, if you have any one of the three, it's probably somebody you aren't ready to drop, regardless of what the other two do week to week, just because you don't know who the guy is going to be. So it's it's frustrating, and if you yeah. don't want to deal with that, maybe maybe uh, trade out of the situation. But I, I think the Rams are too explosive of an offense to to give up on that. Um, I agree. I have Cam Akers, just Cam Akers in a league, and I'm clutching him because I just think that. Yeah, like you said, like whoever's leading this backfield, if you've got that guy, he's a plug-and-play RB2. And if it's Henderson continuing what he's doing, he might end up being on the fringe of an RB1. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you completely on that. From one loaded backfield to another, the Browns win 34-20 to over the Washington football team. Obviously, when this team gets a lead, this Browns team, they're they're going to be able to, to, to pound the rock. And they've got Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who – who looks great as kind of their change of pace back and, and they've got gotten him the ball quite a bit out of the backfield. Obviously nobody is excited about Washington's football team, uh, but you have Dwayne Haskins just throwing the ball to the other team over and over. The Browns picked him off. I believe it was three times in this game and the Browns, I, it'll be interesting to see what this Browns team does the next time they're challenged because the Bengals and, and, and uh, former R words, I just don't know if that's the type of competition we can gauge somebody's, talent or or what we can use as a barometer going forward <laughs> well i i mean i think coming into that Bengals game it wasn't certain you know whether they were above the Bengals by any means and i, I think that you know they've I, I like i hear what you're saying but they're they're above kind of like they're they're you know they're two and one you said three and oh for the bears these these browns are two and one their only losses to to the ravens obviously they get absolutely throttled in that game they have a good test this week Again, we'll talk about that in a minute. But do you like, think they're a top twenty you know, team? I think they're a top half of the bottom third of the league. That's where I would. Put I think the Browns. Yeah, which I think is great at twenty. I, I mean, look, they're. I don't know. They're like you put it absolutely perfectly. When they have a lead, they're a dangerous team. They're not a team you really want to be catching up to, just because like you know you've got thirty-seven touches here today, or what thirty-eight touches between Chubb and and Hunt, and that's a lot of good player touches, you know, they're like, say what you want about the rest of them, but those are two very good dynamic running backs that can beat you both through the air and on the ground. And I think that like, if you're down to this team, which isn't always a given, obviously to get down to them, but um, you know, that's, that's a scary idea for a lot of teams. Now I, I think in the division, I'm not even sure that they're the third best team, but you know, there's, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that like there, there's a lot to be determined this week. To me, will go a long way in deciding whether or not they're any good. Yeah, I think that's fair. We'll get to that. What about Titans Vikings? This was an ugly one. The Titans looked like they were going to lose it pretty much the whole game. Uh, they come out and have a big second half. They win it by one with a Goskowski field goal. And uh, you know, it was, it was a game that really they they didn't have any business winning. Justin Jefferson goes off for seven catches, 175 yards, and a touchdown. Dalvin Cook with a huge game, 22 carries, 181 yards, and a touchdown. Added 18 through the air, so basically 200 yard game for Cook. And for the, for Tennessee, they still were without AJ Brown. They the, the they didn't really have a star player. Obviously, Derrick Henry had the big uh, two touchdown 
two touchdown runs, but it was Khalif Redmond through the air who was the guy that honestly going into this this game I had never even heard of. So what what is this what does this game tell you about this Titans team as they improve to three and zero? I know we're dealing with the COVID situation, which everybody's read about, uh, and that game could be postponed this week, which we'll get to, but. What what do you what have you seen out of this Titans team? And I thought this was a game that they would lose, knowing how much I disrespect the AFC South on this show. But <laughs> if they can win games ugly like this, and they they showed that a lot last year, that's what you need to do if you're a team like them. You you have to be able to win the close games, and they've proven that they can do that lately. Yeah, I mean, you basically nailed it. Like, there's there's such a that this is just a weird win, but they've had a couple ugly wins now. You had the Denver game, which is a joke, and then you've got this one too. And um, you know, those aren't two great teams, but if I think that what you're seeing is a team that makes timely plays, and I'm not sure how sustainable that is over the course of a long season. But you know, Ryan Tannehill is putting up a ton of yards, and I think he's got a full grasp of Arthur Smith's offense, and you know, that's. Without A.J. Brown, they're just kind of treading water. And then once he comes back, we'll have to see what they look like. But right now, they're just I think they're just like an above average team that's faced some very below average teams. And, you know, much like the Falcons, I think the, the Vikings are just finding ways to to bungle it. And, um, you know, they're they're too talented and too, I think, too, too good defensively, ultimately, in terms of, again, talented players to continue to lose all their games like this. But it's getting, you know, it's getting late early for them again. And so I, I, I think that it's the, they're, they just, I don't see them competing in that division anymore. And I, and I think that they're quickly falling out of favor in the conference. I think that's fair. What about Raiders Patriots? And I, I kind of want to zip through these next three, cause they were kind of laughable games. The Patriots walk all over mm-hmm. the Raiders. It was a big game by Rex Burkhead. It sounds like that backfield is going to get muddied this week as you have Damian Harris coming off the IR. You have James White, who's back at practice after, obviously, the tragedy that he faced. But the Patriots win big here, and uh, the Raiders kind of come back down to earth. Yeah, and the you know the Raiders, without Henry Ruggs in this game, Brian Edwards gets hurt midway through. It was, I guess, the Hunter-Renfro show. I don't know. <laughs> I Like, <laughs> if you're the Patriots, you're just – all you got to focus on is Josh Jacobs and really any other team. But the Patriots are – And Waller. I mean, that's what Bel- 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 Bill Belichick does, though. He focuses in on mm-hmm. your, your number one or your one and two weapon. They wanted to stop Darren Waller. I think he had two catches for 13 yards or, or something like that. And, and Josh Jacobs has yep. an, a, a, a pretty unimpressive game in this one as well. Obviously, game script has a little bit to do with that. But you've it's just good coaching. This is what Belichick does. Yep. Totally. I, I completely agree. That's like, that's the difference in games like this. You just go in knowing, um, you know, I, I think if we had known Ruggs was out, it would have been a big difference for this Raiders team. But yeah, they, you're right. They, they just, the Patriots just know how to key on your one or two good players on, on a team like the Raiders and they can just completely handicap you. And they do a good job of it. What about Niners Giants? The Giants are falling out of favor quickly. I, I mean, this team if it's not the other team that plays at this dumpy stadium, this dumpy turf, and it was Jordan Reed this time. I know, I, Anchi, you've been a Jordan Reed apologist for a long time, and obviously the injuries have plagued him. And he's so talented. He was having a great year uh, here, obviously, with Kittle going down. And then he, he suffers the injury that's going to keep him out for a while. This guy just cannot catch a break. Always injured, but the Niners run away with it, and it was a running back by committee situation again. You have McKinnon, then he gets hurt. Jeff Wilson Jr. comes in and has a big game. Whoever they have at the running back position carrying the football is going to have a successful outing. That's just it. Yeah, man. I mean, I say what you want about our buddy, but Kyle Shanahan is 
that guy when it comes to coaching. I mean, like, again, you line up their 10 best players, one or two of them are playing, and they blow the doors off of a team that's really just missing their running back and, and probably their number one receiver. But, you know, not not a huge, huge loss, relatively speaking. So And just a quarterback. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. And just a quarterback for the Niners. They're, I don't know. It's I'm just so impressed with what, the way that they go in and no one even bats an eye. They're like, yeah, of course they did that. Um, so, yeah, the Niners are the Niners. They're, they're still pretty good. I don't know. How, I don't think that they're quite in that class with the other teams, but um, we'll find out a lot more when they play Seattle here soon. Yeah, third straight dumpster fire. Bengals, Eagles, they ended a tie. They did it 12 years ago. <laughs> I wasn't surprised at all. I mean – you you watch the, the Eagles uh, oh, yeah. take the ball down the field. Carson Wentz run it in. You 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 see just a drop pass in overtime for the Bengals on third down that could have led to the the game winning score. And really, neither team sh- looking like they wanted to win this. Burrow sacked eight times. He gets absolutely destroyed on a hit that looked like he was going to miss time. Oh, Finley man. came in for a play. Burrow comes back, but. An ugly hit there. It was just an ugly game all the way around. Nothing. The, the defenses looked good for for a while, but. It, it just nothing about this game was fun to watch, and I just I was kind of miserable even when it, the tie happened. I kind of just wanted them to kick that field goal and end it because Jake Elliott again. I've talked about it. The Bengals draft him. He goes and wins a Super Bowl and almost has a chance to beat them with a what would have been a sixty-four yard field goal that they opted to punt on. Yeah, it was a wild move to just basically say, "Ask her, we're just going to go ahead and punt and not give the Bengals a chance to get in the field goal range." But um, yeah, I mean it's. It was a weird, weird, bizarre game. I watched pretty much the entirety of this as well. And, uh, yeah, like, I mean. I'm sorry I, to hear that. I know Your that time was better spent just, elsewhere. You're a very negative fan. But Joe Burrow, 31 of 44 with two touchdowns and 320. That doesn't just happen in your third start. You know, like, it's it's not supposed to look like that. And he just does already. So, you know, I wouldn't take it for granted, like, for sure. Especially with A.J. Green looking like an absolute shell of himself. Um, you know, big story here to me is D. Higgins getting all all the action that he did and a lot of the throws that he did. And it just feels like, you know, they want to find that doesn't just happen by accident either. Like that's it seems like similar to Jordan, Jeff, Justin Jefferson, like they were looking for ways to get him involved. They were sick of not having him involved. And um, I think that's a good sign for him going forward as well. And I just do you think I I don't see AJ Green finishing the season with the Bengals personally either by health or by some other reason. I would say that that would be true if the Bengals had it in them to trade anybody for anything of value. I just I don't I think I think AJ I think they believe in AJ. I think that they want him there. I think they like his leadership. And ultimately, I don't think he's got his feet under him yet. I, I just don't think he's for back sure, to game speed. He cannot get any separation. I think it'll take a couple more games for that to happen. He said it himself before this game that he's almost back to full speed. Obviously, he turns 33 this year. He's not a guy that you're going you're gonna to get the same spry A.J. Green we saw before all the injuries. But you would expect him to contribute uh, as more than a decoy, which is really what he's been. Uh, I was excited to see Auden Tate uh, get the start here and John Ross yeah. not, not dress. Um, you know, that was something I know I mentioned last week that I was pretty disappointed in this team for doing. And I do like that T Higgins has solidified himself as the number three receiver. So I like a lot about what they're doing offensively. I don't like that Joe Mixon can't get things going, but again, this offensive line is just so, so, so terrible. they, They just need to make a change. Bobby Hart has to go. Uh, Jim Turner, the, the offensive line coach for the Bengals came out that uh, it was either today or yesterday and said, uh, Bobby, Bobby, uh, uh, 
Bobby Hart, uh, yeah, uh, got, gets too too much criticism uh, that he's the most underappreciated player in the locker room. I mean, just like how do you come out and defend somebody on the worst offensive line in the league that's getting beat on the right side every single time and they give up eight sacks in the most recent game against the Eagles? Like how do you do that? I don't get it, yeah. but that's just where we're at. I don't know how you watch that team and that offensive line. I don't care who you are. If, if you've watched a minute of football, you can tell that – that offensive line is massively overmatched and it's a shame because I think it's depriving us of potentially an historic quarterback season out of a rookie. And I just like, I, I truly do think that, yeah, that there's just, there's stuff in Burrow's face all every single time he drops back, there's never a clean pocket. And it's, it's a kind of a miracle that he's gotten through this without getting hurt. And, and he obviously did a little bit there in the middle of the game. Yeah, I think I saw a stat that he was one out of nineteen or something like that on throws of twenty plus yards when he was he was like forty seven of eighty. I don't want to give the the number because I didn't I don't remember the quote, but it was he was like over fifty percent in college or last year, and this year he's he's like one of nineteen or twenty. So, and that's because of the pressure. He had time to throw in college. He doesn't have time to throw now. It's as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Sign somebody, yep. trade for somebody, go sign Cordy Glenn to play right tackle. I don't care. Just get it done and stop putting. Bobby Hart's fat ass out there to get his, to, to, just to get beat every single play. It's just, it's just, a and putting Burrow's career at risk. I mean, truly, yep. you you could put his whole career at risk if you keep talk, trotting out shitty players on yeah. the offensive line. Yeah, and big up to Tyler Boyd. He came out and said something yeah. uh, about it. Finally, somebody spoke up and said we need to do a better job of protecting Burrow. Tyler Boyd, ten catches, one hundred twenty-five yards. He's earned the right to say stuff like that. So. Hopefully yeah. it it, uh, it doesn't go on deaf ears, but with this with this franchise, I just I have little hope. So from a franchise I hate and love at the same time to a franchise I hate and hate at the same time, the Steelers win twenty eight to twenty one over the Texans. Texans fall to zero and three. Steelers improve to three and zero. James Conner big game with a hundred yards and a touchdown. Uh, this is obviously a performance the Steelers have got to be excited about. The defense does look really good, and they might be good again. Unfortunately, aren't you? Yeah, they do look good. Um, yeah, the Texans just a kind of a murderer's row here through three weeks for one reason or another. And the other reason might just be that they kind of suck. Um, yeah, I mean, Watson's doing what he can. But like when you're a top receiver, I love Randall Cobb, but he is he is not the Randall Cobb that was running through the Saints special teams as a rookie. You know, like this is a very different player. And, uh, you know, they've, they've just got nothing to work with here. So, um, you know, it's it's. I just don't know. I don't know what to say for, for the Texans. For the Steelers, it was weird, too, because they get out, they, they were down a little bit, and then, you know, a lot of people have been very, very excited, obviously, about, you know, you've got Juju, but, like, mainly Deontay Johnson had a monster week last week. Now he gets a concussion, so they have to spread the ball around. Eric Ebron randomly comes back to life from the dead and, and has a pretty good game, but I think that, yeah, like it was it was basically the James Conner show and it just seemed like a a good team beating a pretty crappy team. Yeah, and I think that's where we're landing on the Texans. I think it's time for Bill O'Brien to go. Just like I think it's time mm-hmm. for Dan Quinn to go. You might see some early season firings, and the Jets might be another one of them with Adam Gase, who oh my God. I don't blame him. I mean, he's the one coach. I heard the guys with Pardon My Take uh, mention something about his face mask and how he's the one that adheres to it most because he wants to remain anonymous. <laughs> and, 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 I mean – you kind of you kind of can't blame them because this team is just getting worse and worse. They're supposed to get Le'Veon Bell back in Week Four, but the Colts just put a whooping on them, thirty-six to seven. And it, it, from a fantasy standpoint, anybody that's playing the Jets, stream their defense. I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Denver this Thursday. Stream them. The Jets are an absolute abomination on the offensive side of the ball right now. 
Yeah, I mean, a lot of that. I, I mean, ugh, first of all, Gase is terrible, and he should feel anonymous or try to be. But, you know, there's, like, when you have all the injuries to all the players they have on top of being pretty pretty bad, like, you know, no Jameson Crowder, no Brashad Barriman, no, like, Chris Herndon's always banged up. They basically just got Braxton Berrios as their decent number one receiver. I think he's, like, 5'9". I mean, it's hard <laughs> it's hard to manage uh, that offense and obviously lay down bell out too. So you're trotting out Frank Gore. I mean, it's bad. Like it's, it's bad on paper and it's bad to your eyes and it, it just makes me want to die. So let's just, I agree. Any team playing the Jets needs to be streamed every single chance you get. All right. Panthers chargers. This is a game that was a, a bit of a, a bore, but uh, the Panthers do improve to one and two to get their first one of the season. This was, it was a close game, but uh, Matt rule gets his first, first victory as an NFL head coach and the Panthers look pretty good. Your boy, Mike Davis stepped in nicely for, for Christian McCaffrey for fantasy owners that did get a chance to snag him. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Pretty boring. I mean, when the highlight is what a bunch of field goals from Joel Sly, I think it's, that's pretty much it. So uh, yeah, like Justin Herbert, again, I will say looks pretty good. And um, you know, I just don't understand why he wouldn't be their quarterback. I know Keenan Allen's hoping that he does stay there. He has 13 catches for 170 yards and a touchdown. I mean, he is much like Tyler Boyd. He's a young quarterback's best friend in the way that they run routes and they're such sure-handed possession receivers. Um, You know, they seem to always be open. I don't get why Allen didn't do much with Tyrod because you'd think that that would be a perfect fit for him. But uh, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see if they end up sticking with Herbert because I don't think Taylor has it in him to throw for 340 yards or whatever Herbert did. Yeah, and I think that it's, it almost seems like Anthony Lynn is is trying to just stay on that uh, Tyrod Taylor bandwagon, and they're like easing him back so much that it almost seems intentional at this point. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I just <laughs> I don't, agree. Yeah, I, I think we talked about it last week. You don't you don't move on from Herbert after seeing what he can do. I mean, if nothing else, it's excitement. And I, as an NFL coach, like every game matters so much because you don't know week to week whether or not you could get fired and. If he mm-hmm. thinks that True. Tyrod Taylor could give them the best chance to win or, or, or eke into the playoffs, sure. But I think we're going to find out sooner than later that this Chargers team is not one that we're going to probably be seeing in the playoffs. So at that, yeah. whenever that yeah. whenever that happens, whether Anthony Lynn's the coach or not, which I think he should be, uh, Justin Herbert's got to be the guy, and we'll, we'll see. I mean, I, I just I don't see how you go backwards uh, and go to Tyrod Taylor when it's happened so many times recently in this guy's <laughs> career where he starts out as the guy that eases somebody in, and instead of easing somebody in, he gets hurt. A game or two. He's the ultimate. I think was it you? He's the ultimate bridge slash number two guy. And I I mean, I just yeah, I agree. Anthony Lynn's fine. Um, I you know that defense. They're a team built around their defense, and their defense is just the walking wounded again. Like not just throwing James, but Melvin Ingram and Chris Harris, and you know a bunch of other pieces that they have are, are out. And you know Mike Williams is just perpetually hurt. I think it's impressive actually what Herbert's done, Kevin. Mike Williams basically being out and, you know, I just, yeah, I think that that's, you're, you're right on. And uh, I I would, you just, it's not a lost season, but it kind of is. And even if it's not, I think that you owe it to your franchise to give them the better, more exciting player. And that's what Herbert is. Agreed. All right. Buccaneers Broncos. This was a game where Tom Brady looked like the old Tom Brady, but it is the Broncos. And you talk about banged up teams. I mean, there might not be a team as banged up as these Broncos other than maybe the Niners, but Buccaneers look strong in this one uh, behind a a solid game out of all of the receivers on that, uh, that Tampa Bay team. And even Gronk came to the party. 
Yeah, right after they Gronk basically said I was brought in here to block. Then he comes out and catches the ball six times out of nowhere, more than quintupling his his total from the year. Um, yeah, I mean it was. Mike Evans did not have a great game, but two catches, two yards, two touchdowns. That, that'll work, I guess. He's basically a tight end at this point. Chris Godwin's going to be out for a couple weeks with a hammy, it looks like. Um, and so that means a lot more Evans. Scotty Miller was kind of banged up, too. So, or I, I mean, I don't know what they're going to do as far as, like, another receiver. They may not need a really good second option, but I agree. This was Tom Brady looking like Tom Brady, but how much do you put into that? How much stock do you put into that when you're playing a team that's – basically just like zombie mode at this point with the Broncos. Yeah, personally not much. Um but yeah, yeah. It, it's uh it, we could see this Buccaneers team. I mean, they their schedule is stays pretty easy here for a bit. So, it, they could mm-hmm. be they could be 6 or 7 and 1 by by the time we look up look up and we're halfway through the season. What about the Lions? Yeah. This was a surprise victory and Anshu, you I believe on the show last week, you you said the Lions were a team to look out for. Uh, against mm-hmm. the Cardinals, obviously they get Kenny Galladay back, and I know that your prediction was contingent on that. And he he did end up playing, and it made a big difference for the Lions. They end up winning by a field goal, twenty six twenty three over the Cardinals. Yeah, and he looked healthy. Uh, that's the key. Like he wasn't just a decoy. He catches six balls for fifty seven yards. He was out there. He scores a touchdown, seven targets. I I think that probably the story of this is and that is a big deal because they open things up a ton with him and Marvin Jones, obviously, and. You know, they've got a couple other pieces, but when you open up the game, the pass game like that, you're able to run better. And I didn't expect it to be Adrian Peterson, but it was. And so they give Peterson the ball 22 times and just, you know, for a Cardinals team that had been pretty decent defensively, they got gashed a little bit, especially, uh, you know, in the run game. So I, I think that, you know, I think that this Lions team, it's easy to say that they suck and that Patricia is a terrible coach. And, you know, that might be the case, but. I just believe so much in Stafford and Galladay and Jones that I think they'll they could just back their way into like six or seven wins as long as those guys are healthy, which is a huge contingency. But I do think that they they are that good. And I again, I thought that Arizona might be caught sleepwalking or like looking past this game a little bit, and, and I do believe they were. But I I think that the Lions are like right on par with the Cardinals over the course of the season, and I think it's something we got to pay attention to from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, a little curious to me that they've opted to solidify Adrian Peterson as their back, though, when they have Carryon Johnson and DeAndre Swift. I just, I don't, I don't really understand that that he's going to get twenty touches a game when you've got two talented running backs that uh, can change pace a little bit better. Maybe that's gamesmanship. No, I, I, don't, I don't know, but it's it seems it seems silly uh, to me. But I agree completely. Makes what, no sense. Yep. What about the Seahawks? They put the Cowboys at one and two now, thirty-eight to thirty-one win. DK Metcalf almost made a costly—I mean, it still was a costly mistake—as he was trotting into the end zone, stripped back through the back of the end zone. But Russell Wilson, another huge game. Uh, the Cowboys—if they can't—we just talked about this with the Titans on the AFC side—that uh, they're winning close games. I mean, Dallas, obviously, they kind of steal one uh from atlanta but this team i mean if they can't win the close games and obviously the seahawks might be an outlier because of how good they really are and how good russell wilson is playing but what do you think aren't you i don't know about this cowboys team are they the same cowboys of last year uh i mean i don't know what that implies like i don't think they're very good like their defense is, yeah that was yeah. What I meant. <laughs> yeah 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 they are similar to last year they they're they're kind of choky, you know, and I'm not totally sure that they're going to be able to sustain this because, you know, last year I thought that they, they really hit a wall and Amari Cooper got banged up. And um, I, I think that, 
you know, they that might happen again because it just feels to me like it's just a matter of time before that happens to him. Um, but, you know, C.D. Lamb, obviously the great equalizer. He's If he's healthy in there, he opens things up so much. And this week it wasn't him. It was Cedric Wilson who, yep. like, just randomly dominated this game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, I think both these defenses are really bad. Like, this this is not the Legion of Boom Seahawks by any means. But, you know, they Worst against the pass so far this year. Wow, that's crazy. Um, I know some of that is opponent-driven, but that's still really bad. I, I'm with you. I think that the Cowboys are really bad, are really, really bad defense. But, you know, look at that division. They're they're leading it, I believe, at one and two. Is that right? I think that that's correct. So yeah. um, that's pathetic. And, uh, you know, they're still going to be a team that scares people just because they have all those names on offense. But I would not be afraid of them much at all um, if I'm, you know, if I've got even a semblance of a defense that can semi-slow them down in an offense or I can score you know, 21, 24 points. Cause they're kind of like the Falcons, you know, they're like empty calories. Yeah. I mean, this yeah. team could go five and 11 and win that division. I you've got the Washington football team. <laughs> you've got the Eagles who slept walk to a tie. And then you've got the giants who are the worst team, maybe in the history of football, but certainly <laughs> one of the worst teams in the league this year. It's, yeah. That's a, that's a, that's like a, you're getting gift wrapped a playoff spot just by being in that division. If you're the Cowboys. So you don't even have to really be good to get in. But no, I, you know, you know that like in the middle of the season, they'll win like two of three and something first takes going to be like, Stephen A, what do you have to say? They've won two and two or three. Like, is are the Cowboys back? Are they yeah, proving the stupid wrong? cowboy hat on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're going to be seven and nine in the playoffs. Maybe they'll steal one in the playoffs. Who knows? But, you know, we all know what they are. That defense is garbage and uh, they're not a they're not a championship team by any means. But somebody is, aren't you? And it's the Packers, 37-30 over the Saints. I know you've got an early bye week uh, this year at week five, but this this team could be going into that bye week at 4-0 with one other opportunity here coming up on Monday night. But Aaron Rodgers, nine touchdowns, no interceptions this year so far. I mean, he looks like a man possessed. Aaron Jones, uh, another you know pretty solid game out of him. And then Alan Lazard stepping up in a big way. But it, honestly, the Packers, I, to, to keep the Saints in check the way they did down the stretch – uh, you know, they, they made big plays when they needed to. Kamara goes off in this game, but uh, the Packers come out victorious. You've got to be pretty impressed with what your team's done through three. Yeah, I mean, I am. I know that Michael Thomas doesn't play in this, but Devontae Adams doesn't play either. The exactly. fact that Rodgers does what he does without Adams is so impressive because this is not a bad Saints defense. I know that they gave up a lot to the Raiders, too. I just, I think that, you know, to beat a team like that in their place, yes, without fans, but to do it, in their place after a loss like the Saints had the week before. I, I mean, I just think it speaks volumes about a good team, and uh, I think the Packers are definitely a good team at this point. So just keep those guys healthy. Keep winning games you should like you should this Monday, which is going to be just a hilarious battle. But, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited, cautiously optimistic, obviously, right now. But, yeah, Lazard, basically they, they decided to bracket Valdez Gantling the whole game. So it was just a Lazard show, and, I mean – you didn't see, obviously, Lazar doesn't have much in the way of wheels, but he was just, he gets open, and uh, he might not score you a bunch of touchdowns, but Aaron Rodgers has a perfect passer rating when throwing to Alan Lazar this year, so pretty good sign there. That's wild. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 there's at this point, there's no denying that this is a very, very good team. The defense, you know, obviously, they've, they, they, mm. they've been a little bit suspect at times. But uh, I think that this Rundy specifically, especially for sure. But I think that, mm-hmm. you know, we'll see what happens against uh, Atlanta. Atlanta is a team that they will get surprise wins throughout this year, even though they've blown 
a, a couple really, really bad ones. They're a team that, you know, we saw them beat San Francisco late last year. They're a team that, that you know, they'll, they'll sneak one and, and we'll be surprised, but uh, they have enough firepower and enough talent that if, if Julio's out there, it, it, they could at least keep it interesting. And obviously, for sure. obviously you just never know. So uh, one last game, the Monday night game, this one, everybody, we, we talked about how excited we were for it. Uh, the Chiefs were actually underdogs on the road in Baltimore. They come in and win by 14 and Patrick Mahomes, four passing touchdowns, one rushing touchdown. I mean, this was really... There, there was a lot of talk about uh, Lamar Jackson, how he was the MVP last year. He throws for less than 100 yards in this game. Really, really looked uncomfortable. Mark Andrews dropped a couple big ones. I mean, this this Ravens team just didn't look good. They didn't look comfortable. The offense looked horrible and, and just like they couldn't get it together. But how impressed were you with the Chiefs this week? I mean, I, especially coming off of kind of a, a lucky win, I guess, against the Chargers a week before. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I I think the only thing you can take away from this, not the only, but the clearest thing is that there's such a gap between Mahomes and Jackson to me. Like, I, I mean, the, the Ravens defense is supposed to be way better, significantly noticeably better than the Chiefs. And for Mahomes to do what he did and Jackson to do what he did, I, you're right. There were drops. Andrews dropped some. Marquise Brown dropped some. But you know, he, he was not doing a lot. And um, I just, Mahomes was in such complete command there was no way you could watch this game and think that it was even close to a 14-point difference between these two teams. Um, And it might have just been the one game, but, you know, there's been three or, what, four matchups between the two now, and uh, Mahomes has won them all. So I just, for three, I I don't know. I I feel like there's a big gap here between the Chiefs and the Ravens. Yeah, it seems that way. And, I mean, obviously it was the the Titans that knocked the Ravens out a year ago. I I think we'll see the Ravens bounce back. Um, You know, they have too much talent not to, but – there's just – it's not just the Ravens and the Chiefs. I just think there's a, such a big gap between the Chiefs and, and pretty much everybody right now because they mm-hmm. just have so many different ways that they can beat you. And and the, some of the plays – I mean, the play calling is just genius. You, you saw, so good. Uh, you saw Eric Fisher catch a touchdown. You saw the underhand uh, shovel pass uh, earlier fullback. in the game to the fullback. Yeah. It, it's just like some of the, the, the play calling is just like – how do I not think of that, right? And Eric, Eric Bieniemy, who was who was on the list of a lot of a lot of teams shortlist for head coach this past off season. I mean, you've got to expect that he's head coach of a team this coming season after what they're able to do so far early this season. But obviously, a lot of year left. But uh, on to week four, right? Aren't you? That's right. Yeah, I, I mean, that's a good way to to end week three and go on to week four for sure. Yeah, and and obviously we started with uh, with some baseball and some basketball, so we're gonna try to we're gonna try to zip through these uh, week four contests and 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 give you our thoughts. Uh, we're gonna look at uh, the the lines from Bovada. Uh, here we got uh, Denver and New York. I mean, this is a tough one. Den- Denver's coming in actually as the underdog in New York uh, at the Meadowlands. One and a half point dogs on Bovada. It's a forty one point over under, and we're gonna see. Brett Rippon as the quarterback of the Broncos and then the Jets. I mean, obviously we talked about all of their struggles so far. Yeah, I uh, I know Rippon came in. You've got him in our two-quarterback league. He came in. It was decent. Does throw the pick at the very end of the game. But, uh, you know, may, might be decent enough for them to just get through and get a win with Vic Fangio's coach. I think they will. Although, you know, the Jets have to win at some point. This might be their, their last best self. And I, I think there's an outside chance specifically in Adam Gase's case, that the losing coach leaves town after this one. I hope so. This is a game we don't need to waste more time than we need to on. There's just not a lot there. I mean, Philip Lindsay may come back this week. Melvin Gordon's still a guy that you hope to get production out of, especially against this terrible Jets defense. But this is a game that, you know, as much as I love the NFL and I want to watch Thursday Night Football, 
I, I probably will be keeping on baseball or something else during that game as well, mm. um, just as a backup yeah. plan. So, <laughs> so without further ado, let's head to Sunday. Um, Arizona, Carolina, this is this game interests me a little bit. I think Arizona needs a bounce-back win, and you would expect Carolina to be a good opportunity for that. The line's closer than I thought, though. I mean, Bovada's got them as three-and-a-half-point uh, road favorites to, uh, for Arizona. I mean, I, I think that Kenyon Drake is due for a breakout game, and obviously – the Panthers are, are just hoping to get back to, to 500 after this one. Yep, totally agree. Kenyon Drake all day in this one. I mean, I think that they've – I know Cliff Kingsbury wants to spread it out and pass a lot, but this is a perfect game to get Drake going. And just don't don't overthink it. Like, the, the Panthers aren't going to throw all over you. Like, they're going to want to, but you can easily stop that. And, uh, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that the – I think that line is a little bit curious. So, I, I definitely like Arizona to bounce back after last week. Speaking of bounce backs, we just talked Baltimore. They have an opportunity to bounce back in a big way against the Washington football team. I'm just not going to get used to saying that. But Baltimore, 13-point road favorites. Road favorites, 13. That, that's a big number. Wow. But, but Washington's their garbage. I think Dwayne Haskins has proven he's probably not uh, up for the big, the big leagues. But uh, what do you think here, Anshu? I, I expect big numbers out of everyone on Baltimore. For sure. And, you know, at some point you have to wonder if these Ravens are just bum slayers. I know we throw that that phrase around a little bit here, but I, I after seeing the way they looked last week, I fully expect that Lamar Jackson to come back and rush for like 200 yards this week. So this feels like one of those like 45 to 13 games that maybe ends in, in Dwayne Haskins being benched. Yeah, and he should. Browns Cowboys, sure. uh, this, this is a game that I think, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see which one of these teams is is actually going to live up to any level of the the offensive hype that they have? I just I expect one of these two teams to to prove something in this game, and the other one to have a huge letdown. As much as I think it's going to be close, I think either one of these two teams could blow the other one out. And this is the most volatile uh, game in this the, the over under sure. the over under of fifty six. I mean that that t- even though that's such a it's such a big number, I do expect points in this game. So I, I like that here on Bovada. Yeah, that's that's a really interesting call. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a wild one. Two like these are the fun games, you know, where they're you know that neither team is going to be heard from much over the course of like a full season. I mean, one of them or both of them might end up making the playoffs, but like you know they're not real contenders. But they're always fun games to watch when you've got like an overall total of fifty six like this. So um, I do think that the Cowboys are just a slightly better team. So I'll lean that direction, but it wouldn't surprise me at all to see what we talked about earlier, just the hunt and chub show running the ball down the Cowboys strokes. Cause they have, I mean, they cannot defend anything. I just don't think that the Browns are super well equipped to take advantage of their terrible pass defense. So I think that's fair. What about uh, Colts bears? This is another one. I'm anxious to see what, how good these two teams are. I, I don't, the AFC South, I know I talk about it quite a bit. The, the Colts, they, they've looked really good, but you just talked about bum slayers. I mean, they, 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 beat, mm-hmm. they beat the Jets by a lot, right? They, they, their defense scored two Vikings? touchdowns in that game. Uh, no, the, the Colts. Yeah. Didn't they beat the Vikings? They did, but last week. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yes, that's right. So <laughs> I just – I don't know if I'm a, buy, I'm a buyer of this Indianapolis Colts team yet. I did, I'm not used to Phillip Rivers in, in a Colts jersey. I'm not used to uh, Nick Foles in a Bears jersey. So <laughs> who, do, who do you see kind of come out and, and show that they're, that they're a, a real contender this year? And I, I, I'm not sold on either one of them. I kind of like the Bears as three-point underdogs at home. 
Yeah, I I hate to admit it, but I think that I agree with that. I mean, I I want to say the Colts. I think if it's the Colts at home, I would pick them. That's this is just Bovada basically middle fingering the Bears to to give them a three point dog status after being three and zero and playing like you know a barely above average Colts team probably. That's a slap in the face in my mind. So I I mean I think that the Bears are. I think that's like probably a push, but I I do think that the hashtag value is probably on the Bears there. Yeah, and I think I think Foles does give them a much better chance to win. Obviously, you have yes. the volatility with Mitch, and he's going to have big games here and there, but Foles is going to be more consistent. He's going to make less mistakes, and he's going to give them a better chance to win football games, which we obviously saw a week ago. Uh, and I, I think David Montgomery again. I, I know I mentioned it, but I think that Tariq Cohen being out that's that's a big deal for fantasy owners of, of David Montgomery. Uh, so mm-hmm. I think that you and can see Anthony big production. Miller. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah. and you mentioned Allen Robinson too before uh, when we were talking about last yeah. week. I mean, he's a guy that yeah. we were talking about potentially re- requesting a trade a couple weeks ago. Now he's coming off a ten catch game and he's got a new quarterback. So that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. All yeah, right, absolutely. Jacksonville, Cincinnati. The Bengals are going to have six thousand fans. Well, they 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 have a capacity for six thousand fans. <laughs> there we go. Um, so I don't I don't know that they'll get to that number, but they do come in for the first time this season with Joe Burrow at quarterback. Is three point favorites. I mean, these, these there obviously we go. obviously these are two of the worst teams in the NFL right now. You have uh, Gardner Minshew who's trying to make his case to be the franchise quarterback of Jacksonville, and Joe Burrow who. It seems like may have already done that through three games. But what do you think, Anshu? Do the Bengals come out of this one with another tie? Bovada's got them as three-point favorites. <laughs> no, I I got the Bengals here. It's one of my favorite bets of the week. I just think that they this is a game they have to win. Like, not, not for playoffs or anything like that. They just got to do it. They've got to do it for the sake of the, the locker room, for Joe Burrow, for Zach Taylor's mental health. Like, they just got to win this game. I expect Joe Mixon to have a really good game here, for the record. And – uh yeah, I think the Bengals do it. Yeah, fire up both running backs in this one. I, I think that 49-and-a-half yeah. is enticing, but I I know I said that about the Eagles game. I thought those two teams were going to be able to score points, and honestly, both defense buttoned down, and actually they, they missed the over-under by a half a point, and it was all of oh, overtime. Man. So it was a 46-and-a-half point over-under last week, and they went all of overtime without scoring one point. So oh, you've got to – I mean, talk about That's a bad beat. Things. Yeah, yeah, pretty brutal. Uh, Chargers Buccaneers. I think this is an interesting game. Obviously, the Buccaneers. I, we talked about their schedule getting easier and uh, them being able to, to rattle off a few wins. They're seven point favorites at home here on Bovada, and this is a lower number. Obviously, the Chargers and Bucks both uh, defenses have looked really, really good in in recent weeks, and both defenses are probably ones that you would fire up here from a fantasy standpoint. But Anshu, who do you like to win this one? Uh, I, yeah, I think that it's just setting up so neatly for exactly the storyline, the narrative that you pointed out earlier, where Tom Brady just goes on a run against some like pretty bad teams. And again, bump slayers, the theme this week. I think that that's exactly what Tampa is. They're just too good to lose to a team like, like the Chargers with Herbert at the home. So I do think that the Bucks pull it off. Agreed. All right. Saints-Lions, Anshu. Lions at home. They're four-point dogs at home on Bovada. We just talked Ooh. about them with the upset over Arizona, do you think they can do it twice and beat the Saints at home? Obviously, the Saints are reeling. They need a win bad. Yeah, and I think they'll get it. I do. I mean, I, I like the, the Lions getting four at home, though. I, I think that they can keep it to a field goal. But Michael Thomas will be back, and I expect points here. The over, got to be enticing there. I, I like, you know, I again, Kenny Galladay opens up that offense so, so much. 
And I actually think that the Lions could have scored a lot more had they not given the ball to a 30 uh, running back that's my age. So I think that that's that's going to be a big difference. And um, hopefully Matt Patricia and Daryl Bevel know that well enough to not just turn around and give the ball to Peterson a bunch because uh, I don't see that working out super well against the Saints defense. So I expect the Saints to come out and win a high scoring game by three. Agreed. I like that. All right. What about Seahawks Dolphins? Obviously the Seahawks come in as the favorite here, but they are on the road. They do have to fly pretty much the entire length of the country from a <laughs> diagonal standpoint. So it is a big distance to travel, but the Seahawks, I would expect that they're the better team, but Miami, I, I know you talked about Gaskin. It's, it looks like Devonte Parker's getting healthy. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, Preston Williams getting healthy. Miami has shown that they can put up points. This could be a game with the Seattle Seahawks, secondary being suspect so far this year that we do see quite a few points, even if they, they do end up blowing them out. Completely agree. I, I love Miami covering this at home. I know that the spread isn't the big number, but I, I think that this Dolphins team is, you know, it's basically what we were talking about, what I was talking about with the Jaguars week one, where like, I thought that they might have like a little bit of like come togetherness because no one else believes in them sort of vibe going. And, you know, just watching that Thursday night game, I know it's the Jags, but it was, it did seem like they like really enjoy playing with each other. And that defense was all over Minshew. I mean, again, Minshew just tore up the other two teams that he played to go against Miami and not do that. Well, I think is a decent sign for their defense. And so I like the dolphins to cover. I would, it would not shock me if they beat the Seahawks. I'll tell you that. I like that. I, I don't know that I would be as it's a confident. bold call. It is a bold call, but I, yeah. I think that's that's what we're that's what we're paid to do on these shows, right, Anshu? So <laughs> that's right. I, I don't that's hate just manufacture it. Manufacture bullshit. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I, I don't hate it, but I, I think uh, I think Russell Wilson keeps things rolling. I, he's, I mean, he's on pace for probably an MVP season if he keeps this up. And even oh, though yeah. the Dolphins have looked better than I think a lot of people expected them to coming into the season, I think the Seahawks win. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a cover. But I do think the Seahawks win, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do cover either. But this is a stay away for me. I would take the over, if anything, at 53 there on Bovada. What about the Giants and the Rams? This is a big bounce-back opportunity for the Rams as well. They're at home in that beautiful SoFi Stadium. They're 13-point favorites here on Bovada against the Giants. Oh, boy. It makes me cringe to want to pick the Giants to cover any kind of number. Don't do uh, it then. I won't. Crazy. No, I won't. It's just, <laughs> yeah, they're so bad, dude. They're they're just terrible. And then they have to travel so far to, to go finish this game off. So I will just avoid that completely. I mean, I, you just, I, I kind of feel for Daniel Jones because, like, they've just got, they're doing nothing. They're giving him nothing around him. And uh, now you kind of get the feel of what, you know, Tony Romo and Dak Prescott had to deal with Jason Garrett as their play caller all those years. Yeah, I, I think the Rams really, their defense needs a bounce back game badly after mm-hmm. what they did against the Bills. And obviously they did a good job to kind of hold things and come back a bit. But I, I think they need a bounce back game. And I think that this could be one where they, they turn the Giants over three, four, maybe five times. I, I really like their defense. If you have an opportunity to stream them, I think they win this one big. And I, I expect big games out of uh, Daryl Henderson and and a really all of those Rams receivers as well. I think your boy Jared Goff, who, again, I know you're high on this year. I think he's a guy that you have to at least think about starting, even if you've got some of the, the, the uh, household names there on your roster For quarterback. Sure. I know Goff is a free agent in a lot of leagues, which really surprised me. Like, I mean, I, I, he's a free agent in leagues that I'm in where I didn't pick him up. But, like, you know, if you drafted a 
honestly, if you drafted like a Carson Wentz, I don't know that you want to be starting him this week over someone like Jared Goff, personally. Definitely not. No, I, I think I think Goff, he, you could do a lot worse than Goff this week um, at the quarterback position. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, what about Bills, Raiders? The Raiders, uh, obviously, we talked about them coming back down to earth in week three with the loss of the Patriots. They're three-point underdogs at home on Bovada. The Bills just look like world beaters so far this year. I mean, that division, that AFC East, it's probably going to come down to Bills, Patriots, you would expect. But these two teams, I mean, which one of them is going to falter first? This is a this is a big game for Buffalo going out to Las Vegas for this one. Yeah, I'm I'm all over the Bills here. I don't really see I don't see the Raiders being that good. Like I, I thought that they were, they had a chance to put their stamp on the season last week. I know that they get the big win against the Saints, but no Rugs, no Edwards. I mean, I just don't know who they're going to, and I. You know, I'm not the biggest Josh Allen guy, but the way he's playing this year, he is. You said he was, I don't know if you're ready to, you know, you were like, I'm not sure if I'm ready to put him in the MVP. Like, his numbers are right there with Russell Wilson's, I mean, or anyone except for Russell Wilson. So, he's putting up points. I think that they are, they're on a mission to just ring up the total. And, uh, yeah, so I, I do... I do like the Bills. They don't have Smocky Brown this week, but they they've got some they've got some other pieces that they can plug in. And so, yeah, I, I love the Bills in this one. Yeah, I, I I just I don't believe in the Raiders, especially with the injuries you mentioned. I just yeah. I, they they have they have some good players. Their defenses look better than we expected, but the Bills are just too good. I think they I, this is one I would hammer. I mean, three points. Yeah. I know I know they're on the road, but I, I would absolutely hammer that. Um, what okay. am I missing? That's an insane line. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't get that one. I, I think, I think the Raiders maybe earned a few more points than they probably should have at this point with those first two wins of the season, especially that Saints game. I think that's going to go down as yeah. a game that that was fluky. I think uh, at the mm-hmm. as we look back on it, but um, totally. What about Patriots Chiefs? This is a big one, aren't you? This is uh, going to round out the three o'clock games on Sunday. Uh, the Patriots come in as seven-point underdogs. I, I bet that's one of the bigger lines we've seen for the Patriots as dogs, but the Chiefs are at home. They're, I think they still have a few fans coming to these games for the Chiefs. And uh, mm-hmm. w- what we saw last week, I don't know if there was a, there's a line that the, Patri- or that the Chiefs get on Bovada that I, that I scoff at and I say that's crazy. I just I think they're that good at this point. I agree. Um, but that being said, like that's, that's the kind of thing that, you know, Belichick's internalizing. And I don't know that it matters necessarily when you're going up against Mahomes, but I, I, man, I think that, I just think that the Patriots defense, like they just know, and Belichick knows, we talked about it with the Raiders. Like he just knows how to sort of slow down certain kinds of players and certain offenses. And I think that the Chiefs did what they needed to do last week for a reason. Like they, they put it all out there and I don't know. He, they might have put some stuff out there that Belichick uses um, as far as like being able to slow them down a little. And, you know, I, while I do think that the Chiefs were just so clearly outclassing the Ravens last week, they ended up only winning by 14, which is just wild to me. So I could see the Patriots just sort of hanging around, hanging around, not winning by any means, but just like backdooring this or covering. So I just don't like giving laying seven to a Belichick team. I probably wouldn't bet it, but if I had Duke on the head, I'd probably take a New England, actually. Yeah, and I think you're going to get a lot of eyes on Rex Burkhead after a breakout performance. I know you were one yeah. to call that, and I just I feel like the Patriots outside of Cam Newton, even Julian Edelman at this point, I just think that from a fantasy perspective, the, the Patriots are an absolute mess. You don't know who the guy's going to be week in and week out. You might get lucky like you did with Burkhead, but they've got Damian Harris coming back. They've got... 
Uh, James White coming James. back, as we talked about. They, they're, the receiving core is kind of a mess. I mean, Cam Newton looks great. He's, I think, you know, depending on what you're scoring, he's probably in the top five to seven quarterbacks uh, in fantasy right now. But outside of him, I just I don't trust anybody there. Whereas with the Chiefs, you could pretty much fire up anybody and expect that they're going to have a high floor. So I, I just For sure. it's like the tale of two stories from a fantasy standpoint. But these are two teams that are going to we're going to be talking about them as we get closer and closer to the playoffs for sure. Totally. Right. I, I will say if I had to pick one, I think James White next week is a name to watch for sure, because I think that they'll be passing short dump offs a lot because I, I do think that the Chiefs will be able to score. And I, I think that after the tragedy that happened, I, I really do believe that they will work towards, you know, sort of bundling in the ball. So watch out for James White this week. Fair call. All right. Well, let's uh, let's just touch on this before we get to the night games because this might end up being one. The Steelers Titans Titans. I believe I believe it's uh, four players now that have tested positive for the coronavirus. Uh, they've shut down the facilities. They've postponed the game. It looks like they're going to try to get it played on Monday or Tuesday at the latest. But uh, it, sounds it, like it, Monday night doubleheader is what what I just saw. Okay, so they they did announce it as we're recording. That's that's good news because mm-hmm. I know a lot of people. Uh, we're worried about that from a fantasy standpoint, but this is really the first domino to fall. How do you think the league has handled it thus far? Honestly, pretty good. Like, I mean, they clearly want to play. Uh, I, I just, as long as they're communicating with the teams, I think that's really all that matters. Like, it, like I, I do like that they're keeping it in week because if you push it even to Tuesday, it's such a disadvantage for them against the next team that they play. And I know no tears will be shed if the Steelers get kind of boned on this, but um, you know, like I, I think that it, it like a three day turnaround that was unexpected or a four day turnaround that was unexpected might not be completely equitable. So I don't know. I, I think that I think they've handled it overall fairly well. It's just like a logistical issue. Um, and they, they seem to have contained it. And yeah, I think they're doing a pretty good job. And that's all you can ask for. There's, this won't be the first we've heard of, of COVID during this NFL season. And you just hope that there aren't significant breakouts beyond what we're seeing uh, at this level here. So I, I agree. The good I th- thing is, yep. Sorry. The good thing is about football as opposed to baseball or basketball, like the time you know, in between games. Yeah, exactly. You get that, that difference. And that's, it's so easy to contact trace because it's just one team. So I think that they, they do have a built in advantage from that perspective. Yeah, that's a, that's a great point. Uh, and also the teams are so big that, you know, if, if, if an mm-hmm. NBA team has one of their stars in their starting five get hurt, you know, that's a way more significant of a blow or it gets COVID, I should say, that it's way more significant of a blow than, uh, you know, your long snapper. Who, there, I think it was a long snapper and a couple other kind of not not key players here for Tennessee that, that uh, ultimately are potentially going to miss a game because of this. So I agree. Right. It's, it's a different situation, and I think that as long as it's monitored closely and the tests are accurate, then we should be able to get through it, we'll hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but lastly, mm-hmm. let's touch on this, the night games. We've got the Eagles at the Niners. Uh, the Niners working their way back to health. It looks like Bowens is going to get another start there under center for the Niners. Uh, Eagles trying to get healthy themselves. I think Alshon Jeffrey may play this week. It looks like uh, Deshaun Jackson is potentially going to play. Debo Samuel's coming off the IR for the Niners. They should get Kittle back this week. Mostert's questionable, but Little by little, the Niners are going to start to piece themselves back together. What do you think about this game on Sunday night, aren't you? I, I mean, I don't know how you, if anyone with a brain and eyes has watched these two teams and think that the Eagles are even in close to the class of the Niners, even without with all those injuries. You know, like I just, the Eagles are on such another, or I'm sorry, the Niners are on such another level, and they're playing at home. And you know, I know the Eagles are going to be desperate, and they'll have the better quarterback, but I just. 
I you could not pay me enough to to bet on on the Eagles right now. So I'm all over the Niners. Yeah, I, I agree. I apologize for the, the, the ring there, but I, I agree. I think the Eagles are, are falling fast. I, I think eventually we're going to have to be asking ourselves the question of whether or not Carson Wentz deserves to be a franchise quarterback anymore. And Doug Peterson has come out and defended him. It's not getting any easy for you here on Sunday night against the Niners on the road uh, against uh, even a banged up, still very good defense against the pass. And I just, when you, when you look at, him scrambling around in the pocket and just looking uncomfortable all the time. We talked about it with Joe Burrow. I just, I don't know that, that Carson Wentz is is going to be the guy going forward. Obviously they have Jalen Hurts there that, you know, may get a look at some point. They're trying to at least get him comfortable being in games at times. But yeah. I just, I think that's going to be a, one of the burning questions this year. And obviously Doug Peterson's known for his offensive mind to see him so blindly defending a quarterback that looks just so mediocre, less than mediocre at this point. I, I just don't know. So I like the Niners to cover the seven points on Bovada. Uh, I'd like the Eagles to continue just faltering. I, I, unfortunately, I mean, I just don't think that this team is going to, is going to win too many games this year. All right. Andrew, I, I know you've been aching to get to the Monday night game. Your green Bay Packers are at home up in Lambeau. They're seven and a half point favorites on Monday night. We're seeing a lot of green Bay in prime time, which I know you're not too upset about, but uh, do you think they can go into the bye week undefeated? Is Devonte Adams going to play? And what can we expect out of what we would expect to see as a shootout 57 here on Bovada? Man, that is a huge number. I think you absolutely nailed it earlier where you talked about the way that the Falcons could jump up and make this interesting. I hate that it's seven and a half points. I know that that's what the line should be or seven, but I'm, I, I would never, I, I just, I cannot wrap my head around betting the, the Packers in that. Cause like, you know, you have Julio, I think Russell Gage will play, although he left the game with a concussion. It really doesn't matter. They're going to score points. Um, as you said, the Packers defense has not been great specifically against the run, but um, you know, I, I want to think that the Packers are going to just blow the doors off them and get Dan Quinn fired. But I know that, you know, this offense is just a little too proud and a little too good to go away like that. So I, I think the Packers should and will win. Um, but, you know, the, the, the Falcons haven't gotten blown out yet this year. They're, they're keeping games interesting. That's kind of the point, right, that they keep choking away leads. Like, they should easily be 2-1 and one right now. So I, I, that scares me. I don't like that line. So if I had gun ahead, I'm probably taking the Falcons there. Has Calvin Ridley worked his way into a more a higher floor, a safer play than Julio Jones at this point? Obviously, oh, the, obviously, I'm saying take out the injury, take the injury out. Are you? Or do yeah. you feel better about starting Calvin Ridley than? Let's just say it. Rest of season, if you had to bet fifty bucks one way or the other, who has more fantasy points? Who would you go with? I think Ridley. I think he. Wow. I think with what he offers in the slot, he he catches so many underneath passes. Um, obviously, you know Julio Jones is a guy that you you would expect to win a lot of the one on ones, but we're starting to see with Julio like injuries, drops, things that we didn't see earlier on in his career. I still think he's a ridiculous talent, but I know we talked about with A.J. Green, and I'm not ready to compare what where Julio's career is right now to A.J. Green's because he hasn't had the same struggles that A.J. has had. But I think that you know we're seeing something similar in Atlanta to what we're seeing with Tyler Boyd in Cincinnati. I hate to draw comparisons to two franchises that mm-hmm. are so very unfortunately similar, but... Uh, I just, I just, I kind of see that he's becoming slowly that number one wide receiver in a team where you never expected to see anybody but Julio Jones as the number one wide receiver. Yeah, that's 
it's a really interesting comparison. Like if the, let's say two years from now, if, if Joe Burrow is in year three, you know, like that's probably in terms of volume where they would be relative to what the Falcons are doing, which is just drop back and throw a million times a game, which I actually, they are kind of doing that right now. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a very interesting call. And in a PPR league, I, I think I have to agree with you on, on Ridley over Julio. So it's hard for me to wrap my head around Julio being worse than like basically anyone, but um, you know, that's not even really the question. It's just fantasy wise. I think that Ridley has worked his way clearly into, you know, top three to five receiver one status. It's crazy. I mean, I've looked at, I, I, we, we both, you know, we're obsessed with this stuff. We look at rankings, mm-hmm. every single different site and to see how many lists Calvin Ridley is top three, top four, top five wide receiver in the NFL. And, you know, it, it's just, I, I, I think we expected him to be good, but I don't know that any of us expected him to be this good, this quickly when there's already a, a, a guy there who is the man. And I just, I know it's, it's pretty impressive, especially on a team that's not very good. Right. Like you, you just, yeah, yeah. you don't see that very often, but uh, either way, they've got weapons. Brian Hill's looking to get some more carries this week as well as Gurley's kind of uh, looking a little bit pedestrian, obviously still putting up decent fantasy numbers, but there's room in that backfield for somebody else to step in. And we saw that a little bit last week as well. Yeah. Aren't you? We went long. We talk baseball, we talk Shocker. basketball. I mean, obviously, we like to talk this stuff, and that's why we go long in the tooth. But it, it's an exciting time where we're, we we knew that there were going to be situations this year where, where COVID got, you know, a, a part of the, the, the attention, right? But it looks mm-hmm. like the NFL is able to kind of get this under control, and the, the organizations, you know, are able to move forward, hopefully, and, and get the games played. So, knock on wood, hopefully this continues the way it's, it's been, and, uh, you know, obviously – a lot to go. I mean, a lot of season to go. We're almost at the quarter of a season point, which is hard to believe, aren't you? Oh man, don't say that. I want I want this to keep going. But yeah, it's it's just cool. You're right. Like we we expected the can to get kicked down the road at some time, some point. Eventually, it was going to hit a curb, and uh, we're there. So it's been it's been really this week is just so fun. Let's hope the Sox keep this thing going and. We have something more fun to talk about next week from an MLB perspective. Lord knows we both like that. All right, Ferranchu Kana. I am Josh Dunn. Get ready for week four action. We'll see you guys ahead of week five. Good luck in fantasy. Enjoy the weekend. For Anchi Khan, I'm Josh Dunn. Our time has come to an end on the Underdog Sports Fantasy Hour. See you next week.